and turn to the book of Romans chapter 8. We're going to read from verse 27 to 28. Romans chapter 8 from verse 27 to verse 28. And we're going to read the New King James Version. Romans chapter 8 from 27 to 28. All right, I'll read to our hearing. It is of a truth, really, that the year itself is coming to an end. And so, a couple of us may be trying to get a balance between what we saw God say from the beginning of the year to the reality that we have on ground. And sometimes what we have on ground may not just really, you know, match up with what we may have in our heart or possibly with what God had said before now. And so this evening we are here to encourage ourselves in the Lord because God in himself is going to do is doing something big in our lives in the coming weeks or days. Praise the Lord. And so this evening we're going to see how we can hold on or how we can stay afloat believing in what God said and encouraging ourselves in the faith in which God has built in us. And so we're going to go straight into God's word. We try to make it interactive so that we get a clear picture of what we're talking about this evening. And so I read from verse 27. And this is God's word. He said, Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to what? According to what? The will of who? So if you are praying and you are making intercession, sometimes it's, we, we are tempted to make intercession concerning our will. What we want, what we desire, what we what our goal is, and so we present it to God. But here is what the Bible is saying. It's saying when the Holy Spirit guides you to make intercession, he guides us to make intercession because he makes us to, he guides us to make intercession because he makes us he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So I need you to grab that. Now let's look at verse 28. Verse 28 then says even when you have prayed and things are not working out, the Holy Spirit guides us to make intercession according to God's will. Then 28 then says, And we know that what all things does what work together for good, for those who what love God and are called according to his word purpose. So I need us to underline those two words. The first is guiding us to pray according to his will. And secondly, he's also trying to guide us to fulfill God's purpose. And so this evening, by the message of the Lord, even we know sometimes our life seems to be in balance and our life doesn't seem to have gotten to where we want to get to. This evening, we want to encourage ourselves. And so we'll be talking on the subject entitled, Walking for My Good. Praise the Lord. I say, praise the Lord. Now, you may see how imbalanced the, the picture is, what you have in the picture. Sometimes that itself may depict our life. But we want to thank God already for God's word that the, the Lord is preparing for the church through his set man, that God is bringing balance to our lives. Amen. If you're that candidate, say louder, amen. So if God is bringing a balance to our life, and so we need to see ourselves for now in that direction. But at the moment, this may be the picture of who we are, what our life represents. 
But the good news is, whatever position we may be at this point, the reality is that God is working something for our words, for our good. Praise the name of the Lord. And so we're going to look at a few examples and then we're going to try to bring this to life. Amen. Now, in life, really, at the beginning of the year, in our careers, in our marriages or whatsoever we are believing God for, sometimes we may fall in the category of one of the people we're going to use an example this evening. We're going to take example from a man called Joseph. And so we first start by reading Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. Now in Genesis 50 verse 20, this is the end of the purpose in which Joseph went through all he went through. And so we may find ourselves in situations like Joseph where we're taken out of where our dreams were leading us to. We're finding ourselves in things that look like a prison compared to the palace which we were once in. We're looking ourselves in a place where we must have been forgotten. It's like Joseph himself was forgotten when he left the prison and he told the other man that was leaving the prison, do not forget me when you get to the palace. And we know the story very well that Joseph was well forgotten. But in verse 20, this was what Joseph said at the end of the old trial. He said to his brothers that came to him, he said, all the things that happened to me, I understand that you all meant it for evil against me. And Joseph said to them, but God did what? Meant it for, for good. Life will always present itself in a way that is turning us away from what God wants to do for us. And so sometimes it's not about the situation, but most times, as far as God is concerned, it's about what God is trying to build in us. Sometimes it may be character he's trying to build in us. Sometimes he may be trying to build patience in us. So as we go through what we're going through, we're going to try to see the good we can see in every situation because if we lose the focus, we may not arrive at the very good. So Joseph said, I know you meant evil, but God actually meant what? Good for me. Now let's look at the next line of what he said. He said, in order to bring it about as it is what this day to save many lives. So Joseph got to the point where he understood that the situation he found himself at the end could have only been orchestrated by God. Now it is easy for us if we are going through situation that we see ourselves as the victim. God is not being fair with us. So it is always easy for us to see ourselves as the victim. But God is not trying to make us victims in any situation. He's trying to bring us to the place of victory. So whilst we go through the imbalances in lives, we need to also see the balance in which God has promised us or the word in which the Lord has promised us. And so we're going to look at quite a few number of examples and bring it to life as we discuss this further. Amen. I say amen. Now, James chapter 1 verse 2, we're going to start with that and I'm going to share a very short story, a true life story that depicts a man or a woman who has a pure imbalance in life and how we can see the good in which God is preparing in such situation. And so we're going to paint back the pictures of our lives and try to see how much good God is going to bring out in every situation that we have. Now, James chapter 1 verse 2, the Bible says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into 
various trials. Verse 3. He then says in verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Now, who could have thought that what you are going through is expected to produce patience? But we're going to look at one or two examples that God in himself is not trying to bring trials to bring us down. But he's trying to bring trials for the test of our faith. Now, I'm going to share a quick story. And then from this story, we're going to see how God works everything out for good. The stories of Joseph, we know very well. How he went, he was sold by his brethren. How he got to the Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's palace and then he was demoted and all the stories that we know. Now, a very short story that turned out to be a testimony to show you how God can turn things together for good. So, we may have these imbalances in every area of our lives, but this is one story that's going to encourage everyone in the house this evening. And so it happened, it happened to one of my very close cousins that it got to a point in our marriage, the husband walked out of the marriage. So the husband demanded for a divorce in the marriage. And at that time, she had three kids. The, the oldest could have been around eight or nine years old. And so the husband demanded that the marriage be dissolved, which they got. And so the next battle was battle for the custody of the children and during that court session she got hold of the first son and then the husband got hold of the two other sons every day she prays she calls me and then we try to pray as they go to the court so that they can find favor in the court decision so that they can have she can have at least access to the children and so for many years we're talking about maybe 10 eight, nine, ten years, she never had access to the other two children. The husband denied her access to the other two children, and so they went to court. The court sessions, you know, as we know, it went from days to months, from months to years, and also it went even up to eight years as we speak. And so the children that were eight years at some point, the oldest is about eight plus eight is what? 16. So the older should be about 16, 17 year old now. Now, if you are a mother, you know the pain of not seeing your children from right away. Maybe five years old. The youngest was about three years old. So she's never seen these children. And so the husband have remarried and have painted a very good picture about their mother being a witch and a very wicked mother. So there's no reason you want to see them. So these two children are not even eager to see the mother because from the story they've learned from when they were growing, the mother is a very wicked person. The mother left the father. The mother abducted the first son and ran away. So they have no other story about their mother but being a very wicked person all day long. Amen. On the contrary, she had hold of the first son and she put it at a point of contact to tell the son how good the father is. That the father is a very good man and someone he should long to see. And the boy is so long to see the father. Every day he demands to see the father. But the, the mother, of course, knows the danger of releasing him to see the father. She may never grab, have hold of him forever. And so the story went on as the court case went on. At that point, the court ruled against her. And that the father is 
capable of taking care of the three children. And so the custody of the only child that was with her should be taken and given to the father. So she had paid the school fees of the child for as long as the child could be. And so when the court ruling came at the end, it was taken away from her and the three sons were now given to the father. Now, if you are in this position, how has life treated you? Does that, does that represent a fair treatment of life? As in what you've been looking for. And trust me, if you're this woman, you possibly three places, in her parents' house, in her own house, or in church. So she, as far as concerned, she's a lover of God. We all know that. And she prays very well. We all know that. And so sometimes, if going through all that, it's easy for anyone to say, upon all you've been praying, upon all you've been serving God, upon all you've been doing, what has this God done to you? The only child that you have, God has taken it away from you. Now, this itself may paint a picture of where we are. It may be someone, it may be a boss in the office that is treating you so badly, irrespective of what you've been doing or how nice you've been doing. And life has presented itself so badly, so imbalanced compared to what you expect from God. Now, let's go on with the story. If you are with this woman, you agree with me that life is not fair. And so, it's easy to, for us to play the victim, God, this is not what I intend to have. This is not what you promised me in January. This is not what is befitting of me. You said if I continue in your word that you're going to do this, you're going to do that, that doesn't represent that. Now, the story now goes on that when the child now went to stay with the father, now this locations are two different locations one is here in lagos and the other are way up north so it's not something you can dash to see them over the weekend it's practically impossible to run all those shuffles and the man doesn't allow any other person to see these kids and so the other two sons mind were turned against the, the mother and so the mother has lost hope for all she have done, for all the prayers she have done, just like Joseph, where you saw yourself, maybe this children reuniting in future, that never looked as if it was going to come to play. But God works in mysterious ways. And Lord works in a very, very purposeful way. And that's why the Bible says that he works all things together for good, according to whose purpose? According to his own purpose. Now, when son now went to stay with the father, he got to understand that almost everything that the mother told him about father didn't really match up. He wasn't such a father as he thought, but the mother would never speak ill of the father. And then the other children now got hold of the older brother. The reunion was so strong. And the younger brother began to tell them all the stories about mother and they spent one year together. And so all that the father had imputed in these two sons, the older ones were able to do what? To tell them the whole truth. They never were eager to see the mother, but at the moment they are so eager to let go of the father to see the mother. And so for one year that God separated this son from the mother, when she was going through the pain of separation, through the pain of God leaving her, through the pain of the imbalance of life, God was preparing a balance to reunite the children with the mother. And so she began amen, celebrate the Lord. Now, a 17-year-old son 
was able to speak to the other two children, which are about 15 or 14 at this point, 15 to 13 years old, and they had a total shift about what life, life looks like with a mother. Of course, the older one is doing better. Of course, the older one is well-trained. Of course, the older one is better than them because he have better schools, which the court says the mother could not train that one. And so, after the child was now 17 and almost 18, he was old enough to say to the father, I need to leave you. This is not where I belong. And so, on his own, he left the far north and found back his mother and the two other sons told him a matter of time we will join you and reunite with the mother nobody forced him nobody cajoled him he came back on his own and even the father had to let him go because he was an adult he could make decisions by himself and that decision was what he made that he was going to be with the mother now the first son is with the mother and the two sons are saying to themselves when we turn 18 and we are adults we are coming back after our mother and after the first son. Now tell me, was that all working together for good or not? Let's celebrate the Lord. And that is a miracle God is doing in everybody's life. And so like Joseph, we all have stories. But God is not leaving us to, to, to peril. He's training character in us. God is not leaving us to abandon us. He's training us to be a better person. Now, this is one of the things I've found out when God is taking us through trials. Sometimes, now let me ask a very simple question. If you are going through trials, it's always difficult really to see God training us. Let me put an for example, a very good example. We have a good, a very bad boss. So, so one of my colleagues had a very bad supervisor that was supervising him for a very long time. So for one year, two years, three years, he was under this terrible supervisor until the supervisor was changed. Now for three years, he fought with himself. He fought with God. He fought with everybody for having a very terrible supervisor. Now, sometimes life gives us a very terrible supervisor. And at the end of the three years, when the supervisor left him, these were his very few words. He says, for those three years, this terrible man have taught me patience. Amen. Who could have taught a terrible supervisor could have taught anybody patience? He says, for three years, he have taught me not to be angry unnecessarily. So when God is taking us through trials, when God is making things work out for good for us, it's not necessarily bringing us to a point where he wants to punish us. He's trying to bring out character development in us because in the case of Joseph, if he had not gone through what he went through, who could have thought he would have been forgiven to his brethren? Sometimes what we go through is what teaches us what we have to become. We just have to fit exactly where God wants us to fit. As I was preparing for this message, one thing came to my mind when we were in school. We were doing engineering practical at some point. So we're taken to a workshop. And during that workshop, we were taught how to fabricate metals and um, metals and um, wood. And so the instructor gave us a very specific warning. He says, if you want to fabricate to fit into anything, always take a bigger margin first. Don't cut exactly to size. Now, what am I saying? If you want to fit something between these two pillars, he says to you, 
if the distance between these two, these two pillars is let's say seven feet, let's say for instance, he will teach you do not cut seven inches at seven feet out. Do we know why? Do we know why? So the distance between these two pillars is seven inches. He tells you never cut out seven inches. Cut out, sorry, never cut out seven feet. Cut out seven feet and some inches. Now, ask me why. He says, when you cut out seven feet and some inches, you need to sandpaper the rest out until it fits exactly what he wants to get to. And then he told us a very short story. He says, in life, sometimes you, you may go farther than you expect yourself to be at some point. It doesn't necessarily mean that that is where you should be. At some point, life is going to tailor you to exactly what life or God wants you to become. So you may see ourselves sometimes, we may have gotten some riches, some success, or some things in life. But that may not just be all that God wants us to become. So when the sandpaper of life comes to treat us, based on trials, based on temptation, based on some fallback, it doesn't necessarily mean God is taking us away from what he wants us to become. It's just an example of how God is telling us, telling us, tailoring us to become exactly what he meant us to become. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, in a very short while, we're going to take one or two examples. I'm going to throw up one example and we're going to try as much as possible to bring out what God can or could be doing in such situation. Amen. Now, before we go on, let's quickly read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. Now, this is what the scripture says. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through who? To our Lord Jesus Christ. The next verse. Therefore, my brethren, he now says, be what? Be steadfast. Be what? Be immovable. Be what? Be abounding in good works. Now, this situation is not a perfect situation. When Paul was writing this, he was writing it to people who were going through the trials of life, the imbalances of life that we we're going through. He's saying in that situation that things still be to God. But as we go through that situation, he's saying, therefore, my beloved, be what? Be steadfast so that we become immovable, always abounding in what? In good works, knowing that the labor of our love is not what? In vain. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, in a very short while, I'm going to throw up a very quick example. Now, this is one example we are throwing out. All we need to do is want to see how we paint the best scenario of what God can make out of every situation that we find ourselves. Now, a story goes of a young man who graduated from school at the age of 23 and then got a very good job. And after getting the good job, just as life would present itself initially, he was going on so well in the ladder of his career, got married. After getting married, then... He had children, as all will expect. After having the child, the story goes that on the third attempt when his wife wanted to have a child, the wife died in labor. And so we had it that the wife died in labor. And so he was naturally struck. He was naturally sad. And he was naturally very 
um, retrieved from every other thing. So he had this thing that everyone has, or what will bring the table as far as God is concerned, will bring the victim mentality to God and will begin to complain about what God had not done. The bitterness of our heart will bring to God. And so before I end this story, the story did end well, but we want to see how we can paint a picture of what God could be doing in this story. But before I go to that, I, I remember a story where we, where I think it was all in social media, about a farmer who had a very big cow. The cow was his only source of living. Who knows the story? And the story goes that at night, he woke up one day, and the cow was what? The cow was dead. The only source of living was dead. And so he was bitter as well. He began to complain. But he got to understand, I can't remember how the story went, that actually what happened was an angel of death came at night and he had a choice to take his children or his family and he had another choice to take the cow. But the cow was given in this place and until we understand those stories, it's difficult to give thanks to God. Am I right? And so that is why... Paul was speaking. He said, in all situations we find ourselves, we should do what? We should give thanks to God. It's difficult to see how thankful we can be in those difficult situations. But he says, let all still do what? Give thanks to God. But let's make it a little mild now. Let's just use the story of the farmer as a case study instead. So you are a farmer and the only cow you have as a point or means of survival for your family the only one cow that we have is dead. And so, who is to blame in the first place when we wake up in the morning? Who are we naturally to blame? Sometimes we put the blame on God. God, why me? Somebody once says, the moment you ask God, why me? You are invariably saying, it should have been my neighbor next door. Amen. And so, when your neighbor also says, Lord, why me? He simply saying, What? Why is, why is it not my neighbor seated close to me? Praise the Lord. But God says in His word, He will not give us anything more than we can want, more than we can bear. Now, if we have this story as pertaining to our lives, except somebody else wants to share the story of his or her life that brings out the good at the end. If we are the farmers of our lives and the only means of what is bringing us happiness and joy is taken away for any reason or we are going down from where we used to be or things are not working out exactly the way we want them to go through or the way we want them to be or appear. How do we see the good in anything that we are going through? Let's just take the story of a farmer for, for a, a case study. If we are a farmer and you wake up in the morning and the only source of survival, which is the cow, is dead in the morning. And after hearing this sermon or this message or this charge and encouragement, how can we see the good in what has just happened? The farmer never had opportunity to be seated in a meeting such as this. So now we're seated, and now we have a case where the only cow, which is our means of survival, is dead. How can we see God through this trial? Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to take one more example after this, so that it gives us the reality of what God is doing. Before we start, I'll read quickly Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. And this is what he says. Now, he says, to everything there is a what? There is a season. 
a time for every purpose under the world, under the earth. So whatsoever we are going through means is a what? Is a season. And what do seasons do? Season comes and seasons go. So having this in mind, you are a farmer and our only source of income is gone. How can we see God or be thankful in all these? Can we have the mic? If you want to say something, just put your hands up. Okay, Brother Minister James wants to say something. Remember, the Bible says, count it all joy when we go through various trials and temptation. Before you say something, I need to add. The Bible says, count it all joy. Remember, there's difference between joy and happiness. If he's saying we should count it all joy, please let's remember that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So it's not something we get or pick up from anywhere. We need to count it all joy and that will require the help of the Spirit himself. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good evening, church. Um, as we were speaking, I just remembered my case and I want to use that um, as a case study here. Um, I remember when, the, um, I've actually mentioned it in church severally, when my building collapsed, the first time I started building, and I changed my uh, contractor, the engineer. What I observed that particular period, when it happened, I started asking God some questions. But God, I serve you. I don't joke with anything that concerns you. How come this is happening to me? I looked at some buildings around me that are not even up to what I've spent. I was like, this could be fair. I've been serving you all the rest of my life. Why Why this? Why, why me? That was the question I asked. So naturally, yes. you almost held God responsible. Yes. So but, just as we're saying, sometimes it's the thought of our heart that holds God responsible for what we're going through. So we're not saying it is bad in itself. It is questions that come up naturally on its own. Even Job did question God at some point. So very good example you've laid for us. But by the time I now look back and I remember that I said, okay, let's take this scenario. Go for it, family. I've actually finished this particular building. And I now went with my beautiful family here. And at the end of the day, it now collapsed. So I now started looking at it, but I sat down again and started thanking God. And if this had happened, <laughs> I can't even imagine what would happen to me. I don't think I would be alive because I can't imagine losing this whole family at the same time. So I thought of the goodness of the Lord in that particular situation. And now, in fact, my wife was dancing this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I just saw my wife dancing, is moving around and dancing, appreciating God. So when I look back and I look at what God's done, I can't just thank Him enough. So in every situation, we should thanks to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Minister James, did the story end well at the end? Do we have a balance in your life? And so shall be the story of everyone in Jesus' name. I think we have a living witness, or a living example, or a living proof here. So, if we need to, re if just as he did, assuming he had moved into the building, he didn't even need to have moved into the building. What if the building had collapsed while workers were still building? Just workers were still building. Mass slaughter. We've seen, I'm not so sure he used one of the most expensive contractors that we know, but we've seen buildings that are used that have been built by very reputable contractors and have still collapsed. Have still collapsed and those families have gone. And if they tell you that some of those companies are yet to recover, you won't believe it. It's possible some of those families are yet to recover. 
And so, God forbid it was somebody's life that he lost, or his family, or the rest. So, it would have been easy for him to complain. And really, if you now quantify how much he thought he had lost, the reality is the enemy is really fighting battles. It, the Bible says that if it had not been the Lord on our side, what if God had not been on our side? Our stories would have been what? Would have been different. If God had not been on our side, this is we are saying wouldn't have been what we are saying. The stories will all will have been what will have been different. But sometimes we just have to recall the goodness of God. And once we recall the goodness of God, every other thing will go, the encouragement to go on and to fight through is going to come in our lives. The name of the Lord be praised in Jesus' name. Now, as I was speaking, I remembered a particular junction. If you are if you are coming from if you are coming from the toll gate and you want to turn, I don't know how many of us know that place. If you're coming from two gates, you want to turn into seven up. Do we know the place? If you want to turn into seven up, it does happen that each time I make that turn, I always remember God's goodness because one time God saved me from a very terrible accident. So sometimes some things happen, you wouldn't just know why God is making things to happen. I can quite, if I will recall, I was being I was trying to meet up with a meeting or something, and so God sometimes needs to calm us down. When God calms you down, really, you will just become and follow only his leading. So it's so happened I was trying to make the turn. And so there was a trailer on my left. The trailer wasn't moving as if he was going straight. He was only moving as if he was about to make the turn. And so he had slowed down, so had I slowed down. So I was in front trying to make the turn, thinking the trailer wanted to make a turn as well. Only for me to see by my side mirror that the trailer was honing and was coming at an increased speed. I had two options. I had almost turned, which means if I tried to continue to turn, he would have come to slam me where I was. So I can't really remember. Just as we're speaking, it makes me remember the goodness of God, and that's why I'm bringing this up. So I was still sure he was about to make a turn or he was going straight. I wasn't sure whether he was honing for me or honing for another car. So I decided to go straightwards only for me to find out he was closer to me than I ever expected. And so we both went straight and he was this close to ruining my car. Praise the name of the Lord. And so we went straight off and I had to let him pass before I could make the next right turn. So I want to celebrate you. As you said, you remember God's goodness. I just felt like giving this testimony because God himself is delivering us from so many things that we can ever imagine. Praise the Lord. All right, do we have any contribution? If you have your own testimony or you want to use the testimony of the farmer and the cow. Hallelujah. I've always been a worker in church. I'd always loved God. 
had always served God. So I was wondering why things, you know, some things like that would happen to me, and I fell into depression. Now I realized that, you know, in that state of pressure, I would just keep crying endlessly without anybody talking to me. I would stay in a, in a dark room. I didn't want to see anybody. But it was at that same point, I had to start asking myself questions. Okay, you've been crying all day. What next? You are sitting here. What next? Is this how you are going to spend the rest of your life? Look around you. What can you do? And I started remembering that people had started telling me, you know, like two years before then, oh, for now you can train now, you can talk to people, you can like it too much. So, if that's the gift that God has given you, you can talk for a living. You understand? And so I started thinking about so many things, but I realized also that in the midst of all that, in the midst of having nothing, God used people. In fact, the Christmas after that was the best Christmas I ever had. I had Christmas. We had Christmas in my house without buying anything. We had two bags of rice. We had all sorts of things in the house. And I was like, how? God always puts people around us at that particular point in time. If only we open our eyes to look around us and see that he will never really forsake us. He will never really leave us. He always puts people around you, puts something around you, you know, to bless you with. And it was in the midst of all that that I started using the gifts that God has given me. I never really used it because I felt I had a job that was paying me very well. I never really used it because I felt I was comfortable. But in the midst of all that was when my new, my company was built. In the midst of all that is when the Lord opened my eyes to the fact that he told me to register a company in 2004 which I did. It was in the midst of all that that direction came. And so, God knew where he was taking me to. But if I didn't lose that job, which I depended on so much, if I didn't lose that job, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Praise God. So, invariably, God was trying to draw your attention to what he wanted you to become all the way. So, God's purpose for her wasn't to work or to do what she was doing. Was that? So God had a better intention from the beginning. So sometimes what we go through really may not just be God's intention to bring us down. It must be God's intention to draw back our attention that we may just be having too comfortable compared to where God wants us to be. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. So if I may ask, the lessons that you learned from there compared to where you actually went, got to at the end, what was one thing that God taught you all through those period? I had to depend on him to take me each level of the way. So I would pray, I would listen to hear God tell me this is the next thing to do. And so now, when anything happens to me, I keep telling people, see, this thing, I don't care if it leaves. If it leaves, that means that God is bringing something else. That means that God is going to do something else. That means that I, 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 I learned not to hold on to a particular thing as if my life depended on it. I, I learned that if this leaves, that means God is taking me somewhere else. He wants me to do something else. That phase of my life is gone. That means it's time for a new phase. Praise the Lord. The life truly is in season. 
Second Corinthians 3, 5, the Bible says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think that we are being of ourselves sufficient, but our sufficiency is of God. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, I'll take one or two more examples as we begin to wind this down. Do you want, Sister Ruth, is your hands up? Okay, let's take, oh, we'll take him and then we'll take um, Brother Obafemi. Do we have any other person? All right, we'll take um, our brother there and then we'll wrap this up. All right, let's try to make it very brief. Good evening, church. Good evening. From the senior that she gave, that if I'm a farmer, I'm having just one cow. You know, there's always a saying that whenever something happens, you're always blaming God. And the thing is, like, if you're blaming, if you keep the blame on God, you will never progress. So, once you take that blame from God and you look at the positive side, for instance, now you've been a farmer and the only cow you have that's now the cow is dying and the nutrient is going to the soil, so you can get for plant crops. So that, that's another way that, okay, God has said, okay, this has gone down and I'm giving you something up. So that, from the story she gave, he has taken, like, they don't really depend on that source again. Something else has happened. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So his contribution is very simple. It takes you away from being self-sufficient to totally depending on God. Let's celebrate it one more time for the courage to speak even in the midst of our dolls. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Brother is reminding us that we shouldn't complain, but we should always remember that God has our back. So, at the end of the day, we need to picture ourselves that it is going to work out for good. That is why the Bible says, count it all joy when you go through all these trials. And it says, for it is the test of our faith. And he's reminding us that all things are going to work together for good for those who love him. One of the things I got for my self-fellowship sometimes back, some few weeks back, was sometimes when we pray to God and lay down our expectations. So when those expectations are not met, we tend to challenge God. So we have expectations. So God is not meeting those expectations. So it is very easy to say God is not answering our prayers. But in the midst of our prayers... The question now is, what is God's expectation that he wants us to attain? What we possibly want, does it really match what God wants us to do? Or is the timing actually perfect for what God wants us to do? As we ponder on that, God bless us in the name of Jesus. All right, finally, we'll take our brother behind and then we'll wrap up this service. Praise the Lord. Um, I went through some things about uh, four years ago, 2015. Um, I was uh, pushed out of where I was living, and at, at that time, I was um, 
in church here and um, what I was going to then I knew if I told pastor he would have assisted me or made me out of that situation but I trusted God that uh, rather, to, rather, rather to go and meet pastor with problem because I know he has a lot of responsibility and as my father he has told me several times that if you need anything come to me you know all of, all of that but that, that period, I, I was going through that um, uh, season, and uh, the person that uh, said I should leave the house because it's my uncle. I was living in my, house, in my uncle's house then inside Ogudo. And for, uh, from December that year, 2014, to like uh, May 2015, I didn't have a house. I was, uh, I, the, first, the first month, I was going to Ikorodu, all the way from Ikorodu to the office, but nobody knows what's. I was going through that, but I, I just thought of it that this thing doesn't really make sense. So I was staying inside church for for like five months. I was sleeping inside church, inside church, nobody knows because I had a key. And I bed in that year, went inside this church, and I was crying all through the night. I remember kneeling down or like uh, lying down on this altar, praying to God that God has saved me so much since then I got born again. I never looked back. I trusted you. I have several options. People have given me options. But I'm trusting you. Why am I going through all of this? I was crying all through the night. And um, there was a Saturday in that period that one of my, um, one of our church members just come and said, why did you do this thing? I know they said you are the one that supervised the lighting in church and all of that. Can you handle this project for me? I said, yes. She gave me that project. I saw my husband in that period. I was so glad. And it was that, it was, you know, it was because I... I was in church, and I, I was I was always, nobody knows that. They, people just see me that while he's always in church. They didn't know that I was going through something. You know, he's always in church because he's a passing manager, but I was living inside church, but nobody knows. I would just go and bath inside church office uh, bathroom there. You know, so that's not today because I was around. If I, if, if, if I was living inside Ogudu, she probably would not see me to give me that project. But I was around. I was going through that situation, and she gave me a project more than 1.5 million era. I saw my house rent as profit. And not only that, God gave me a house for free that somebody has paid a year off rent around that period. So that house that I got, I, I, I used it as an investment for another business. You know, and ever since then, God has been very faithful. God has changed my story. I live in one of the best estates in, on the mainland. I thank God today. Praise the Lord. If you are not jealous, please clap. Amen. Now, sometimes if stories are not told, just like Brother Wale have shared his own story, you, you, you've seen him probably every time in church. If I'm sure, I'm, I personally am hearing this for the very first time. So if stories like, like this come forward, it's just to remind us that no matter the situation we are going through at the end of the day god is working everything out together for what together for good now just as he said if he was not in church he possibly wouldn't have met the woman that he met so god works everything together for good he's orchestrating every moves that we make every people that we meet every card or business card that you drop everywhere god is just orchestrating something for good a story once shared said somebody did give 
another person the complimentary card, trying to introduce the business. So they met in the toilet. And so he collected the card, and the person promised to give he or she a very good business. He collected the card as soon as the other person left. The person that collected the card dropped the card on the toilet um, sink and left. And somebody else came, saw the card, and was just about what or who he needed to do a business with. Picked up the card and called this fellow, and they did business that amounted to millions. So for everything we do, God definitely is working something out for good. If maybe somebody rejecting your card business, your proposal, or whatsoever it is, it's not for us to be let down. You may complain to God, God sees your heart, but God is saying, let's hold on. There is a balance and a shift coming in the very few days, and that is going to be the portion of everyone in the name of Jesus. Let's celebrate God for his word. As we keep holding on to God's word, let's just understand and know that God is working out everything together for our good. This is an encouragement to someone that is about to give up or whatsoever you are believing God for. It may be that you are, you've been faithful to God, but you are not seeing the result yet. God is saying all things is working out together for good for them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Let's continue in the love of God. And God will surely take us to the light after the tunnel in the name of Jesus. Why don't you bow your heads as we just thank God for giving you opportunity to be here this evening. And let's pray for the grace to continue to hold on. First Peter chapter 5 verse 10, the Bible says, But may the God of all grace who have called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after we have suffered a little while, may he establish us, may this same God strengthen us, and may this same God settle you. And just say this word of prayer that God will give you the grace, God will give us the grace to hold on and see every blessing in every trial that we are going through, and that God should continue to grant us the grace that at the end of the day that we may be perfected in his purpose, we may be established in his glory, we may be strengthened in our fight, and that the Lord will settle us in everything we do. And so shall it be in the name of Jesus. And so in heaven, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word that in which you have taught us this evening. We ask that as we continue to stay on you, we pray that the eyes of understanding may be opened, that we may be able to comprehend the good in everything we are going through in the name of Jesus. And for everyone who is weary, for every heart that is fainting, we pray for strength in the name of Jesus. That the meeting of this evening will strengthen someone to believe and to continue to hold on. And that the testimony of every other brethren will remind us of the faithfulness of God. And Lord in heaven will thank you in advance for that in which you are going to do and for that in which you have done to the glory of your name. And the saints will say, Amen. Amen. For his word.